This is Recap Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And today I'm talking to Hassan Piker. And he is one of those people that if you know who he is, you know he's a giant star in the world of Twitch and streaming and lefty politics. And there's a lot of you, maybe even like myself, who may not be that familiar with him. So he's going to introduce himself and we're going to go from there. Hi, Hassan. How are you? What's going on? Hi. Thank you for joining me. What's the best way to describe what it is that you do for a living? I'm an internet himbo. That's what I do. I'm a professional himbo on the internet. No, I, uh, I'm a left-wing political commentator, mostly on Twitch and YouTube. That's what I do. So left-wing political commentator, we, we're familiar with, with what that person might look like, what they might do. On Twitch and on YouTube, not so much. It does not seem to be a place where, where folks like yourself thrive. How'd you get there? Well, um, I have always played video games. So I'm very familiar with the like gaming culture and gaming audience. So um, I wanted to go to a space where I could cultivate an audience for myself and cultivate a community where uh, I could speak to people on political issues and show a different side of the left that uh, unfortunately doesn't get much coverage uh, anywhere, really that uh, we can have fun because a lot of people just assume that when you say you're leftist or you're liberal, especially in these sorts of circles that tend to have a reactionary slant that invokes the image of uh, someone who is a, how, how should I put it? A care Lord or a woke Lord, someone who is uh, not interested in having fun. Mm -hmm. Someone who is unable to have fun. Uh, you know, everything could be uh, perceived as offensive or whatnot. And I, I think that's a, it's not a real uh, a way to depict uh, leftists and liberal people in general. So I wanted to, I wanted to showcase that somewhere by being myself. Yeah, I want, I want to talk to you about your, your career path and how you got there. But let's, let's talk about a little bit about what it is that you do. So Twitch is sort of your preferred, your, your main platform. Is that right? You said Twitch and YouTube, but I think yes. Twitch is sort of what you're best known for. So I think people who listen to this show know broadly what Twitch is. It's live streaming, that it's gaming-centric. Um, there's a lot of interest by Amazon, who owns Twitch, into expanding it to other stuff. Um, but like you said, it's um, I think your audience probably are, are gaming or gaming-related people. So what are you doing on an average Twitch stream? What does that look like? So an average Twitch stream of mine starts off with uh, political commentary, top news stories of the day, take a look at it, offer my perspective on uh, these these issues that I think are important. And you're kind of doing it live in the moment, right? You've got CNN up yeah. or you've got the Bloomberg interview going and you're kind of yeah. reacting to that stuff or a YouTube clip of something that someone's recorded. Yeah, usually, or an article. And I, I you know, pick some of the top stories ahead of time, um, figure out like what angle I'm going to cover it on, uh, what I'm going to talk about. Oftentimes there's like additional information, like background information and whatnot that I uh, I might need. So I'll do a little bit further reading before I cover it. But uh, yeah, this is all live. It's all, it's an entirely live production. And then I can see there's there's people commenting and interacting with you yeah. while it's all going. It's kind of if you're if you're not used to looking at it, it's a little uh, it's a it's little busy. it's busy. Yeah, there's a lot oh, yeah. going on on the screen. Yeah. But I think for for Zoomers and for a younger audience, they like that. Uh, it's like a, the the colorful slot machine of, you know, news media, I guess. They enjoy that back and forth interaction. They write stuff in the chat uh, about like uh, whether 
they know someone that's uh, conservative or someone they know in their family is a conservative and they've come to them with like talking points in regards to this uh, particular subject matter. And they'll be like, what do you say to someone who is telling me that, you know, vaccines are causing them to turn into magnets, like human magnets? So there's this back and forth interaction that's constant. Yeah. So it's kind of a free for all. It's kind of like an AM radio talk show, except there's really no call screener, right? It's just you talking and then deciding who you want to interact with. People are, they're not, they're not talking, you're not having a conversation with anyone in particular. They're sort of dropping notes in, into the chat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how long does this, does an average stream go on for? The average stream goes on for, I mean, everyone does it differently, but for my, for me, I would say eight to 10 hours. Uh, last year, my average was 10 hours every single day. I, I streamed, I was on from 11 a.m. Pacific uh, for the next 10 hours on average every single day. So you're in a chair 10 hours a day, I assume five days a week. I assume you get a break on the weekends. No, I do not. I, no? I keep streaming. No, I, I stream seven days a week. Yeah, that's not sustainable. How are you going to do that? Uh, I I love what I do. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. So that's how I get to do it. I, I, I don't I don't see it as work. Like this is fun stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is fun. I get to do a podcast uh, and that's fun. But like even this comes. Wait, I'm sorry. Mom, can you please close my door? <laughs> I, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry. I just like I, this has never happened before in the history it's of like, me doing podcasts. It's my great. mom knows. My mom knows that, like, you know, when I'm doing a podcast or something, like, I don't know why she Listen, decided to keep I, the door I have open. the same, I got the same problem with my kids, so I hear you. Okay. She's good now. <laughs> I texted her, like, three times. I was like, Mom, please close the door. Please close the door. There's helicopters flying around. Like, I can't hear. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, Mom. Thank see? you. This is good. This is good. See, every, every, a, a year ago, this might have been novel, but everyone now has the work from home experience. So they're all fully I, familiar I, I, with I know. This. Well, I mean, no, this is, I've always worked from home. The only difference is that my, I, during COVID, I wanted my mom to come live with me. And, uh, and it's been a wonderful uh, experience, wonderful across the board. But sometimes it, uh, you know, it gets a little crazy in here, you know, whenever I'm, uh, doing one of these things so back to sort of just the, the the mechanics of how you do this this is you got your mom back there but she's not helping out this is you, you there's no one helping you there's no one screening calls there's no producer no. here it's you and a microphone and a camera well yes and no so the thing is it's all about my community it's it's a constant back and forth uh so there's a constant flow of information coming in from the chat as well there's like community members that have been around for a long time subscribers uh, and, and I get to know them on a, on a, well, I mean, they're still technically anonymous, but I get to know more about them. Like I know some of the community members by, uh, like their backgrounds. And, um, so there's always a back and forth and, uh, they're providing feedback. They're cracking jokes. They're sending stories. They want like localized news coverage on, you know, issues from time to time. So, to say that like I do it on my own would be false. Mm -hmm. I definitely do it with uh, my community. It's a it's a collaborative process. We had Doctor Lupo on uh, last year, the gamer, and and I can, love him. He's great. I, I can get how that kind of content works because he's playing a game while he's playing a game. He's talking, so the visual stimulus. You, if you want to watch him play Fortnite or Call of Duty, or whatever, that's there. People are into that. It seems like doing what you do, where you're literally talking about Bernie Sanders, maybe there's a clip of Bernie Sanders, but that's kind of it. 
um, is a more difficult way to to engage the audience to keep them watching. Um, how many folks are are watching you on a given day? Um, I mean that number can vary depending on like if there's a big story happening that everyone wants to tune into and pay attention to. But um, right now, my average I would say is around forty thousand live concurrent viewers over the course of ten hours, eight hours. And then if you total that up over a week, over a month, how many folks are checking in from time to time? Oh, I've, I have no idea what like the raw data of that. I mean, I could just pull it up right now, actually. But I, I truly don't know what the what the number would be. I guess last stream I did yesterday, I had 860,254 live viewers. So that's how many people like tuned in uh, over the course of uh, 10 hours. And that was you responding that there was uh, there was some gaming news, right? You were responding to, to each. No, 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 not at all. That was just the regular stream. That, that's that was actually stream. lower than uh, usual because I was playing video games. I usually get much higher. Uh, I, I get much higher viewership when I'm doing like uh, coverage of a live event. Uh, when I covered the Israeli-Palestinian uh, round, like the last round of uh, conflict, there was... Um, there was a lot more people tuning in. So in the same way that, you know, CNN or MSNBC or Fox is, is yeah. often news driven, same same for your audience. Who is yeah. your audience? Are they the people who are hanging out on Twitch and consuming gaming content and then flicking over to you? Or are they coming just for you? It's a bit of both. Uh, I certainly have like, uh, you know, the people that are exclusively interested in, you know, news and, and covering and, and my coverage over particular issues. Then there's people who are, uh, you know, on Twitch, watching other Twitch streamers, but then tune in for my morning news coverage, maybe, and then they move on elsewhere or they go somewhere else. That's that's what it feels like. So we both alluded to this, that there, there aren't a lot of lefty people in live streaming and YouTube um, that, that, and you can trace it even back to like, you know, formats like talk radio, like there have, no, you know, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, there's never been a counter to them and attempts to sort of create a counter to them don't work. Why do you think that either there are so few people on the left side of the spectrum doing stuff like you do, or why do you think that conservatives and reactionaries sort of dominated? I guess the same question. Well, I think the most important reason for that is because of uh, capital. A lot of leftists uh, or even progressives who are capitalists themselves but not anti-capitalists, for example, still criticize money's power in politics and the accumulation of wealth at the top. So that makes it very difficult under a capitalist organization of the economy to create a bunch of different media projects in the same way that uh, there's an endless flow of cash to right-wing reactionaries from billionaires, millionaires, think tanks, so because they don't criticize those people, as a matter of fact, uh, they they serve a specific purpose. And that purpose is to shift the attention away for average Americans, shift the attention away from those who control the system, those who, you know, write the legislation on behalf of the American citizens, uh, oftentimes against the interests of the average American citizen. And they do a really good job at that. So that's why they get an endless sea of cash. And that makes it a lot more difficult. Like leftist content creators have to be grassroots. You think they're being propped up for reasons, for non-commercial reasons? I would assume that the reason that uh, um, people are advertising on Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or a Stephen Crowder show or buying Stephen Crowder merch is that they like the stuff. 
either the, the audience likes the stuff and or the the advertiser wants to be in front of that audience. Um, and they're and they're apolitical. No, no, I'm saying that the original the reason why there aren't that many leftist content creators is because the original starting point still requires a little bit of capital. It's not mm -hmm. easy to just like casually start streaming. You know what I mean? It's still requires uh it requires an investment. You need to have time, you need to have uh, a lot of uh, energy to be able to do this and most people don't have that they're not as fortunate as i was um and also on top of that they don't have like backers you know what i mean i mean jeffrey epstein personally invested like sixty five thousand dollars into some random like uh french canadian uh race realist in his youtube channel you know he's just like these guys are constantly on the hunt for content creators that are uh you know, right wing. Um, and it's a, it's a propaganda machine that works uh, very effectively. We still don't know who funds the Federalists, for example. Think about that. I mean, these are right. jobs programs for wealthy fail sons who went to, you know, liberal arts institutions who then turn around and either get a job at the Manhattan Institute, or if they can't do that, then they turn around and they criticize, you know, arts majors for a living. And they get paid handsomely for it. So if we stipulate that that it's easier to get your start as a as an angry conservative in media, and I'm not sure that's yeah. true, but but in the end, you still have to have an audience. You have to compel an audience. You have to uh, figure out how to make that audience respond to you. Is there something about that kind of politics that makes it easier to draw an audience than than someone who does something like you do? And 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 we should yes say that no. you, you came out of the Young Turks, which your uncle runs. Yeah, we've had Shank on before. Um, I'm just wondering, and it's 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 I'm not the first person to ask this question, right? Is there something about liberalism, left-leaning politics that makes it harder to engage an audience? Um, yes and no. So what I wanted to, what I wanted to hyper-focus on once again is uh, how much the, the right-wing media machine actually looks for new talent and how gatekeepy the liberal side of the spectrum is. And there is no leftist uh, in that equation regardless. Like the most left-leaning anchors in mainstream media happen to be Chris Hayes, who is still, you know, uh, at most a social Democrat. And you see outlets like Vox that are further to the left than what you would normally see, like a CNN or an MSNBC, um, certainly. And, and even then, it's still mostly just social Democrats. Think about it this way. I think it was three years ago at this point. My memory is like a little cloudy. But uh, I debated Charlie Kirk at Politicon. We were seen as peers at the time. Uh, we had similar uh, levels of influence in our own circles. Um, Obama was president at the time. I was not invited to the White House. Obama does not know who I am. Will never know who I am. I will never be propped up by any sort of liberal uh, establishment. I will never be propped up by or, or legitimized by the Democratic Party. Whereas on the other side, you have Charlie Kirk, who got an incredible amount of money uh, and did not really have an audience, but kept pumping up their views. As we found out, I think Vox has even done some coverage on this on TPUSA, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's uh, 501c3 that uh, was literally targeting like 70 year olds, but their entire, uh, the organization's like entire purpose is supposedly changing the minds of young people, but they were weirdly just only advertising the 70 year olds on Facebook for some reason, mm -hmm. because they want to make those people feel like they're successfully targeting uh, the young people. So that's a perfect example, though. Like I uh, had to build my own brand 
and and build my own audience and my community completely from the ground up uh, with uh, very little support from you know any sort of like party machine or any sort of media conglomerate. Whereas Charlie Kirk was on Fox News every weekend, built his brand, built his organization, was able to take millions and millions of dollars from wealthy donors, and became a staple in the young Republican. Uh, in the in the as a, as a young Republican conservative commentator in in the Republican Party, and Donald Trump came to his events, and you know they were on a first name basis. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. I, I'm wondering how much of this is is sort of scrambled by Trump and the Trump era and Trump's willingness to to invite anyone, right? Um, the most odious people in the world. Um, to just ones that are merely distasteful. If they said something nice about him, he would endorse them, right? And so you had you had really extreme people showing up in the White House, and uh, Donald Trump probably had no idea who they were. He just knew that they said something nice about him. Um, you know, all the way to the end of the campaign, where he's bringing up random rappers who he doesn't identify. He has no idea. Uh, who oh, they certainly, are. certainly. But Charlie Kirk was in the Republican media machine before Donald Trump mm-hmm. even became president. As a matter of fact, he was anti-Donald Trump originally until you know, he realized Donald Trump is winning. And what I mean by that is like, the conservative machine is, is so good at like picking young talent and then uplifting them and turning them into brands, like making them, making online influencers into like legitimate household names, I guess, as best as household names can be. And what I mean by that is like, Charlie Kirk got notoriety because he wrote a... a an essay in high school about how like uh, potentially a woman of color took his slot when he was supposed to go to West Point. There is no evidence to this whatsoever. He just like made it up, wrote this uh, article, this essay. That essay was published on Breitbart and immediately Fox News was like calling him up to have him on national television. The standard like they seek the, this stuff out. The standard conservative response to all this is, "What are you talking about? We're the outsiders. We don't control Hollywood. We don't control TV. Fox News exists as a counterpoint to MSNBC and, and CNN all, all the way down." I think it is disingenuous. On the other hand, I think there's a big group of them who do believe it, and they do. You know, they'll look at success of a John Stewart or someone like that and say, "Well, see, you you have there. This exists on both sides of the spectrum, but it doesn't feel right to me." Yeah, well, I mean, it's the Andrew Breitbart uh, sentiment of of uh, politics downstream of culture. Like, these guys are culture obsessed because, unfortunately, uh, American politics is very right wing. We are center right by most metrics, with the exception of like uh, social issues. We are definitely more progressive than even some other comparable OECD nations when it comes to like trans rights and things like that, even though Republicans want to stop that as well. But uh, ultimately, when it comes to the material realities that we subject the average American to, America is incredibly reactionary. I would even say violent uh, with the way that we treat poor people and with the way that we uh, eradicate whatever uh, semblance of a middle class that we even had. Uh, We don't have uh, a a robust uh, social safety net. We don't have health care. I don't have anything for the the average American. And that to me is inherently very right wing. And the media reflects that reality as well. So that's why Republicans are constantly complaining about the culture, because that's the one area that they haven't been able to get like a stronghold. And that's partially because they're just it's whack. Like they're just really bad. They're not very entertaining. Most Republicans make stuff that other Republicans watch because they agree with them. 
not necessarily because they're like entertained by it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So do you want your audience to be entertained? Do you want them to mobilize and do something? Do you want to reach more people than you're reaching and, and, and aggregate more eyeballs? Well, what's, what's, what's your plan? Certainly. Uh, I, of course, I would like to grow my audience. Mm -hmm. I want to mobilize them. I do mobilize them from time to time. And, uh, I, I, my, my first and foremost, like my primary concern is informing people as many people as possible while also entertaining them. I want to educate people, but I will also do it in an entertaining way. And I think I've done a pretty decent job at that so far. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Hassan Abi. And we're back. There were a lot of people who, who, a lot is the wrong word, but several prominent, uh, examples of people who, who on the left, um, who were able to gather an audience, in some case, build a business during the Trump years. You know, I'm thinking of people like Crooked Media, the guys behind Pots mm -hmm. America, or someone like Sarah Cooper, who's, you know, not explicitly political, but made her name parroting Trump. Um, what is, what does the post-Trump world look like for you? Has your audience stayed the same? Has it gone down, gone up? And, and how do you no, think about- it's gone up. <laughs> so why do you think that is? Because you definitely hear from, especially established media as well, that some of the, you know, subscriber and reader interest they had is declined now that, that Trump is, is both out of office and, and quiet. Because I'm not, uh, I'm not just a political commentator, and that's the reason I am an influencer. I uh, I play video games. I watch murder mysteries with my audience. Uh, there isn't that much like um, there isn't that much content out there to consume from a uh, from an obvious like leftist perspective, where you can just like sit there and it's not just Marxist theory, but it's uh, you know I I'm not like. I'm not constantly just talking about dialectical materialism, but uh, but you can tell that my worldview uh, is is on that side, and uh, it reflects in even all in all of my analysis, which I think comes across as a unique approach to most issues because most people have never heard of this perspective or have ever seen it beyond what they maybe learn in a negative way in college if they ever even broach the subject beyond like communism is bad and terrible and it's the same as fascism. Uh, so that's a, I think that's a novel approach for a lot of people. And then also for people who already have that worldview, I'm one of the very few places that they can actually, you know, consume content uh, from that point of view. That's still entertaining. It's interesting to hear you describe yourself as an influencer, right? Because the, the, the standard stereotype is usually a woman, maybe not it's always a woman, but someone who's who's selling a, a lifestyle. Uh, I don't know about brand. the woman part, but yeah, I, I guess I guess I, I think of the, the the people dancing on TikTok, right? It's sort of the, the snapshot. That was, that was right a very now. boomer take, Peter. Well, I'm gonna be honest. With well, you. I know some boomers. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm wondering whether you ever feel like you need to diversify your content if you need to say look I, I'm, I'm giving them too much marxist theory here I, i've got to i've got to spend more time being entertaining or maybe go the other way um if anything i'll i will usually go the other way where i'm like i'm not doing enough uh not just marxist theory but like i'm not doing enough political coverage or enough reporting but i it, i just i like to have fun and i'm just i'm doing everything uh that i enjoy doing for the most part and it just happens to make me successful and uh, it happens to appeal to a lot of people i'm very fortunate i don't think about it from the point of view of like uh i need to you know increase the the politics dial mm -hmm. by 25% it's like some days there's a lot of news and i want to get through a lot of the news stories 
other days, I just want to have fun and, you know, not uh, really hyper focus on the news. And I just go with the flow. What's your relationship with, with Twitch owned by Amazon, owned by the, run by the world's richest man? Um, what's, what's that relationship like? Um, it's interestingly not very contentious. Uh, Twitch has been pretty good to me. They suspended you a couple times, right? They have. I, they used to suspend me all the time. <laughs> I used to get suspended all the time. But uh, no, Twitch has been pretty good. Uh, part of the reason why they suspended me is uh, is something that I even defend myself, which is the terms of service that they have. They are very, very careful about their terms of service for the most part. They will immediately suspend you if you do anything that is reported. What's what's, like, some, what's uh, something that got you in trouble in the past? Um, I got in trouble for a frame, like like a like a min, like a one second frame from Bowling for Columbine. The Michael Moore movie. Yeah, the Michael Moore documentary movie where uh, I wasn't even talking about like mass shootings or anything. Actually, I was talking about Latin America and our like destabilization, uh, American imperialism in South America and destabilization. And I think it was like maybe the El Mozote massacre or something. I, I don't even recall what the exact one was, but there was like one brief snippet from a documentary that's shown to eighth graders uh, that uh, had like actual gore in it like they showed dead bodies so, so you put up you, you threw a still of that up on, on your stream but i didn't throw a still it was in the it was in the okay it was in the snippet that i was watching and it was from. just to be clear it was saying this is content that's objectionable we, we don't want it on not because you're violating a copyright by showing someone else's movie yes yeah. no it was straight up because they they considered that to be a, a violation of the terms of service because it was um growth uh it was a uh, not gross uh gore and there was another one where you basically had some equivalent of like a chickens coming home to roost thing about 9-11. Yes. Um, which I've read about. That was the other one, yeah. That was the biggest. Uh, um, so it's happened a few times, but you sort of figured out how to not trip those wires anymore and, and can stay on without being taken down? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, uh, I, I think like they know that I am, I'm one of the largest content creators on the platform. They know that I mean well. I am not interested in like violating the terms of service. I'm very careful on top of that as well. So um, yeah, they just, uh, I haven't been banned since that big one. And do you feel any conflict about, about doing what you do on Amazon run by Jeff Bezos, who, who, who is often no. now a subject of criticism? No, uh, it is virtually impossible to operate outside of, uh, it's virtually impossible, if not completely impossible, to operate outside of, of uh, capitalism like, in order to criticize it. It comes across as hypocritical to someone who's like, well, who's never really uh, put a lot of thought or consideration into it. And it's certainly uh, something that people tell me all the time. You're like, dude, oh, really? Like you, you criticize Amazon. Uh, and yet here you are on Jeff Bezos' platform making him richer. It's like, yeah, I mean, your bosses suck. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, do you like your boss? Do you think your boss is like an honest person? Do you, maybe some of them are, but ultimately, like, there's nothing we can do. We have to work on these, on these platforms. It would be very difficult, if not completely impossible, to avoid Amazon, especially when you think about their cloud computing or like their, their uh, cloud service and their, I mean, AWS is, is what, 40% of the entire internet? So good luck uh, avoiding Amazon. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Luckily, they don't they don't suspend me for criticizing Amazon's like uh, horrific labor practices, which I do regularly. <laughs> so you are you are a young person who's been doing this out of college. How old are you? I'm 29 years old. 
29. Okay, so you're getting up there. How long can you sit in a chair for eight to 10 hours a day and, and talk nonstop? How sustainable is this? I don't know. I mean, Rush Limbaugh did it literally until he died. So he did five days knows? and he didn't do eight hours, right? He did three. And yeah, he had a team. But, you know, I enjoy it. The moment I, the moment it's not, uh, you know, the moment I, I stop enjoying it is the moment I'll uh, cut back on it, you know, and I do other stuff too. Like, now that COVID is uh, kind of tackled here in the United States, 64% of adults have at least their first shot, you know? Uh, congratulations to us. I, uh, I want to do more outside stuff. I want to go outside and, you know, do some coverage on the streets as well. Something I always wanted to do. and something I did a little bit, but unfortunately that was hindered by COVID for the past year. So live on the street, um, yeah. you're going to need to hire somebody to, to hold a mic for you, I think. Yeah, no, I, nope, that's not how that works either. I just, I strap a bag onto myself and I go out in the streets and do it all on my own. But I also have friends who are content creators who come with me as well. Do you, I mean, do you have any interaction with the LA influencer world that we periodically read and write about, um, when someone acts badly because they, you know, Someone got drunk yeah. and, and do you, do you interact with those folks? Yeah, of course. And like, in, in what way are you interacting them in, 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 in real life or, or you're making videos about their videos? No, I interact with them in real life too. I have friends who are influencers. I, I know people from being in the same circles. Um, I've, I've grown alongside some of these other content creators as well. And, you know, I still maintain relationships and friendships with them. Uh, none of them are like, quote unquote bad though they're actually pretty they're actually pretty chill and uh none of them usually ever get into trouble yeah and just i and this is comes up every time I, I bring on someone who does what you do uh, or we talk about this topic that it seems like there's a lot of money um in that world there's a lot of reasons for people to participate in it but unlike traditional media there are less gatekeepers and also less sort of guardrails there's um less likely to have a manager or at least a manager knows what they're doing or someone to say hey don't do that don't don't go on camera when you're drunk or any of that or maybe take a break <laughs> yeah. do you see this ever sort of i mean it, it doesn't seem i just said sustainable three or four times in this interview do you see some way where the work that you do and others do is gets more um rational and sort of I don't know, supervise is the wrong word. You want more uh, uh, capital owner participation. Like you want other managers and, no, and you know, no, no, like I, larger entities to come in and uh, maybe no, regulate. On the, the on, no, it's about. not the regulating. It's it's providing, it's instead of saying it's free, it's Darwinian capitalism. Go do what you do. And if, if you succeed, great. And we'll have you do more of it. Um, that there isn't sort of any... I'm a little worried about the people who make this stuff, um, that they, that they are on a content wheel, uh, and there's not a lot of guardrails. Oh, for sure. But, uh, every part of, uh, entertainment is like extremely exploitative. And so is, uh, this kind of content as well. The only difference is that, uh, I think, I guess there's, uh, there's a fairer profit share here because you're not like going through an entire record label for example and getting a 360 deal which will inevitably change by the way because as you and i both know when there's more money to be made in this industry there are going to be more professional handlers that come in which has already happened a lot of uh esports organizations are popping up left and right and they're making a lot of money and they're run by some wonderful people i, I know some of them 
and they get big sponsorships, big brand deals. So obviously that means they have to be more marketable and more brand friendly. And and that's certainly one way that uh, people will, uh, you know, continue to operate in the future. So I think that's what you mean, right? Like there, there are, yes, there are more traditional entertainment uh, avenues or, or entertainment ventures that are uh, getting invested and involved in the online space every single day. Yeah. And I guess I'm not, I mean, yeah, I'll just reiterate. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't, I don't need, uh, I don't need uh, big Hollywood or big media or whatever capital letters we want to use to come in and, and, and set terms. Um, but, it, but right now you have this, it seems like you have a setup where the platforms are the ones who get most of the money. They don't really have any incentive or ability to sort of regulate anything about what goes on, um, except in or extreme even cases. want to, right? Um, and so it's just a it's just, it's a free for all, and you know that that cuts both ways is my big deep thought. Yeah, I mean you're correct. Uh, there are there. I mean the internet is <laughs> there's some real freaks on here. Okay, there used to be some real crazy content on on these platforms. I mean even Twitch, but uh, it's it's uh, cleaned up a lot. In the past four to five years, it's certainly gotten a lot better since I've been on the platform. Well, it's working for you. It's it's very nice to meet you. I hope my audience that doesn't know you gets to check you out. You should definitely check out the stream. Um, there's a sort of visual language going on there that's really interesting, especially if you are an older person, maybe boomer adjacent like me. Um, it's very cool. <laughs> saw nice to meet you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Hassan for joining us. Thanks again to Hassan's mother for joining us as well. I think that's the first time this happened on this show. But, you know, we're working from home. These things happen. And it was delightful to have a little little verite in our podcast. Thanks to Joel and Jelani, who edited and produced this show. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to you guys for listening. This is Recode Media. There will be another new free show next week. See you then.